Hey, everybody. I'm Fran Fraschella, and welcome to the World of Basketball. This is a podcast that takes you to every corner of the basketball globe, from Australia to Lithuania to China to Spain. And, of course, we drop into the United States as well on occasion. Today we have a young man who is an American college player, well-known in the United States, and preseason national player of the year, Iowa center Luca Garza, and his dad, Frank, who in his own right was a very good college player. Luke is going to talk about the upcoming season, his NBA aspirations, and also his connection to basketball in the former Yugoslavia. You're going to really enjoy it. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, go ahead and subscribe to, to uh, Apple Radar Podcast. Give us a five-star. Let us know how we're doing because we are really enjoying uh, coming your way with special guests like Jeff Van Gundy and the great Andrew Gaze from Australia, Ettore Messina, the outstanding Italian coach who spent a lot of time in the NBA. We're going to take you everywhere we can to just promote this great basketball game that we all love as the globe, the basketball globe, continues to shrink. Uh, with that, uh, I want to bring in my sidekick, Chris Tyler. And Chris, uh, we're smack in the middle of the playoffs. A lot of international flavor going on. But I am so excited about the news I heard this morning uh, when I found out that Steve Nash, the great NBA player, two-time NBA MVP, has been named the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. The GM there is, is New Zealander Sean Marks. I know that was a blockbuster that, that got you out of bed. Absolutely, man. This this one kind of took me by surprise. It took a lot of people by surprise. You not so much. You said uh, before you heard a little rumbling a couple of weeks ago that this may be in the works. But man, this is this is fun. I'm I'm, I'm pretty up and about about this news. This is stunning. I mean, it really is. I did hear something a couple of weeks ago from a a friend uh, in the NBA pipeline. I, I can't d- divulge that source, but I got to tell you. Once, once I was told that, I forgot all about it. And I didn't think Steve would do it. You know, he's got, um, he, he's, you know, arguably a great life uh, as a former player. I know he had done some work with the Warriors during the KD, Steph Curry run. So in that sense, it makes sense. Um, but the other thing that makes sense is uh, Steve is the, as I, as I recall, he's still the general manager of Canadian basketball. So he's been intimately involved uh, with that national team program, both on the senior level and on the junior level. Uh, there's no question about his intellect and IQ for the game. He's one of the smart players ever. And when you think of guys like Doc Rivers, Chris, and Mark Jackson and Jason Kidd and some others, uh, they were all in very similar situations to Steve in that they didn't have – a lot of coaching experience. Their experience really in terms of the game was being a thinking man's point guard. All of those guys were some of the smartest players uh, to ever play in the NBA. And I think Steve falls into that category. So it's a blockbuster to me. You know, we got a Canadian flavor there. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting because he knows KD well. I got to assume that he's going to enjoy working with Kyrie Irving. And then what we saw in the bubble is that guys like uh, Joe, uh, Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie, who did not play in the bubble but had a great year, uh, Jared Allen and others, uh, you know, could really benefit from the fact that, uh, you know, Steve's one of the smartest players ever. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, and now you have a look at that uh, Brooklyn Nets 
uh, lineup, I guess. You've got Sean Marks as the GM, as we mentioned before, a Kiwi. Then yep. you've got Steve Nash as the coach, Canadian slash South African. And then one of their star players, Kyrie Irving, Australian. Well, hey, let's go. Let's 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 dig, let's dig deeper because the owner Joe Sai is uh, you know Chinese, yeah, and is a very successful businessman uh, in in China. So um, yeah, it's amazing, and not to mention not to mention Zanon Musa and uh, Rodion Kuruks, who uh, are two kids, uh, one from Bosnia, one from uh, one from Latvia. So I figured I'd throw that in as well. They do have somewhat of an international flavor, but it, it's really cool. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I know Steve loves New York city and uh, you know, you, you get to start off your career much like Steve Kerr did with some superstars. That's not a bad way <laughs> to begin your coaching career. And uh, Hey, speaking of Canadians, uh, there's a Canadian who's had a pretty good uh, oh, NBA yeah. playoff first round series in the bubble by the name of Jamal Murray, 32 points a game, epic battle with uh Donovan Mitchell. Uh, didn't want it to end. Yeah, exactly. Seven series. games. Uh, Mike Conley with a chance to win the series for the Utah Jazz. That was right on the rim. But uh, kudos to Jamal Murray, 24 years old and uh, on his way to becoming, uh, you know, an NBA star without a doubt. And uh, that's a very feisty uh, Denver Nuggets club. Of course, we've mentioned Jokic before and some of the other international guys in that team. But uh, Jamal Murray has been really maybe one of the MVPs so far in the bubble. So that's going to be a great series as they get ready to uh, open up here soon. And then the other news uh, on the international front is just the job that Miami Heat are doing uh, on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I like saying that. I've always have. And uh, and the Bucks as uh, the Heat now are 2-0. and And uh, obviously Jimmy Butler is the stir that is the straw that stirs that drink, as we say here in the, in the States. But Goran Dragic has been outstanding, no surprise. The uh, the other great Slovenian in the NBA, Goran, has been in the league now, I think since 2009, uh, and is really a, 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 a true veteran. And uh, he's playing outstanding basketball. So uh, you having fun watching these playoffs? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that Luke is out, though. That's, that's another big... Uh you know, news that's happened in the past week in the world of the uh, NBA playoffs. Unfortunately, we don't get to see Luca anymore. Found it a bit hard to play against that Clippers side without Chris Stapps by his side. That obviously yes. uh, was the big turning factor, I think, in that series. But it was fun while it lasted. I'm looking forward to watching more Jamal Murray, as, as, as uh, we mentioned before. So, hey, this is, this is a lot of fun. This is NBA playoffs. This is what we've been waiting months and months for in the yeah. office, uh, you know, while coronavirus was, was at its worst. So, it's just good to have basketball back up and running at the highest level. Yeah, and I don't know where I said this. I might have said this on our podcast last week, but I've definitely said it on a number of shows, radio shows, whatnot. The, the NBA champion this year um, is going to be a true champion. Uh, the league played nearly just about 70 games on average, every team. So they played a full season. And then the team that wins 14, oh, excuse me, 16 games in this environment, uh, given the nature of the bubble and the fact that there's no fans and, you know, they're pretty much locked into uh, Disney State Prison, if you will, as one of my NBA friends told me, yeah. you know. Uh, At least they've got their families now, which, which they do. And they get, they do. They have the day off, you know, every other day. And they get, you know, a lot of those guys go out and play golf, get some fresh air, do some fishing. So No uh, traveling. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's a big that's deal true. as well. I think that might be contributing to why we're seeing some of these monster numbers that were put up in the first round. The fact that they are, 
is no traveling every second or third day for a lot of these teams. Yeah, I think that's true. But but I, I would say that if you win 16 games in this environment, you are a true NBA champion. So, uh, And speaking of champions, let's now join Luca Garza and his father, Frank. This is a guy that wants to win an NCAA championship this coming season. Luca Garza, first-team All-American from the University of Iowa, and uh, probably preseason national player of the year coming up. And, uh, and his dad, Frank Garza, who not only was an outstanding college player, but uh, is, has done a great job with his son. There's, there's truly a, a, a friendship here that uh, uh, all of us who have sons, which I do, two of them, uh, we envy because we know how special that relationship is. So, hey, Luca and Frank, it's great to be with you guys. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Fran. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Now we, uh, we, I think we met once before, right? I mean, no, no. I've I did Lucas games at the Garden a couple of years ago when you mm-hmm. got caught in the snow, Frank. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, it was terrible. The only one I missed that time. Yeah, but we we were at the Final Four one year, and I think you were going into your sophomore year, or yeah, I was going into my sophomore year of high school at, at Murray in DC, mm-hmm. and we started talking, and I I wound up my my son Matt was playing at Harvard at the time. I immediately mm-hmm. texted the Harvard staff. And I don't know if they ever got in touch with you or not, but they missed yeah. the boat. No. Oh, yeah. boy, did they? I remember you saying that. I remember yeah. that was such a fun time. And, uh, I, yeah. And uh, 2014, I believe it was. That's yeah, when I said, Kaminsky was. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. A guy yeah. that, uh, you know, who's gone down as one of the great players in Big Ten history. And you're certainly on that track, Lucas. So uh, it's great to have both of you on. And, uh you have. We'll get into the international connection because this is the world of basketball, and, and you've got a such a great story. But Frank, I want to start with you because I I know from the time Luca was born, and I know this was true with your daughter too. And both you and your wife were accomplished athletes, as were many members on both sides of the family. You had a plan, literally a plan for Luca's success. Just share that with me, and share that with our listeners. Well, thanks for the question, Fran. I mean, I, I wish, um, um, well, I, the, the number one plan was that whatever he decided to do, same with my daughter, that they, they fell in love with it, that it was something that brought joy and, and a smile. So that it really wasn't work. It was a passion, like learning to walk. You know, you fall down on average 400 times, but it, you, you don't lock on to falling down. You lock on to wanting to walk and do it. So the falling down is funny. The falling down, the pain is durable. I mean, it's livable. You could work with it. So for, for Luca was, didn't want to be the parent that overkilled and made it not fun, you know, but that it, that it would evolve organically and that it would be like Socrates said, the pull, that he would have to pull it, that he would have to really want it because then your best students learn when they want to learn. There's really no magic to it, but it is kind of the ancient wisdom of, of development. Could you remember, Luca, uh, how it started as a young person growing up around this game? I think, you know, when I was just – when I was really young, I just really fell in love with basketball, you know, pretty early on. I, I like, was just kind of obsessed with him. You know, my mom would take me to the mall, and I would just carry around a basketball, dribble around the mall. And I used to, like <laughs> – instead of a teddy bear, I would sleep with a basketball. And I was always watching games, watching old film, watching all this stuff. And it just was, you know, more interesting to me than anything else. And I just wanted to be able to be – you know, really, really good at it. 
Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I want to jump around a little bit. Uh, it's a great introduction because I know how close you guys are. But you had a very interesting last six months, everybody in college basketball. You came off an incredible season, one of the best individual seasons in Big Ten history. Um, you had a chance. Uh, you missed out on a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. You also evaluated the NBA process like your like your teammates, some of your teammates. Um, what was that like, given it was a real unusual? You couldn't go work out for anybody. Did you do any Zoom calls with teams? Did you have any connection with people from the league telling you, like, here's, here's the deal, here's how we think it might go for you? Yeah, I definitely had a lot of Zoom calls uh, over the course of the three-month process it was. Um, and, you know, I talked to a lot of different teams, a lot of different front offices, and learned a lot about what they saw in me and what they, you know, wanted me to develop uh, to be, to be get better. And I, I saw where I was and I, I felt confident that, you know, I could have made a role for myself this year in the NBA, but, you know, it just wasn't enough uh, for me to leave the University of Iowa and, and, and not finish my career out. So, you know, that it was definitely, you know, a fun process. I learned a lot through it all. Um, you know, that with the advisory committee who also helped um, just kind of guide me through it. And, you know, just with the people around me, obviously my dad and, and, and my coaches and, and just my other close family, my mom, Everybody yeah. just talking to me. It just really, you know, kind of made it an easy decision. And, you know, and I feel very excited about, you know, uh, coming back and finishing my career. Given the year you had and given the excitement of coming back this year with, you know, with your teammates, a team that's going to be a top five team. And given that you have a great board of directors led by the guy next to you, what, what is it that you really were told, hey, focus on these things? Because the average fan will see your season as a junior and say, how, how much better can this guy get? But we know the NBA is a different animal. What are you attacking in the offseason? Yeah, there's a lot of things. You know, first, uh, my lateral movement, lateral quickness, you know, being able to defend ball screens at a higher level um, and, and just continuing to improve on the defensive end. I think a lot of teams noted that they saw my improvement each year in college, especially my sophomore year to junior year on the defensive end and being able to, you know, block more shots at the rim and, you know, be a better pick and roll defender. So, you know, they just wanted to see continued steps towards improving that area, um, as well as just, you know, continuing to shoot the ball from the outside with confidence and with range. Um, and, you know, also playmaking ability out of double teams and different stuff like that. They just want to see me become a better passer. Um, be able to, you know, get my guys open, um, you know, not only create shots for myself, but create shots for my teammates. Given, Frank, that you've had so much to do with Luca's success physically and mentally, how are you helping him through the process of not only – it's like a dual uh, deal here. He, he, we want to see him have a great senior year but and, and go to the Final Four, but you're, you're also got to be thinking in your head, how, how can I help him become the best player he can be to get ready – uh, for that next jump? Yeah, well, great question, insightful. In, in other words, um, when uh, Luca went to you know, Alabama, uh, Alabama, that recruit trip, friend, we got the chance to, to sit with, with Mr. Saban. And one of the things that Luca asked, because he prepared some questions, one was, okay, what things should, from your perspective, should I know uh, that would be helpful? And he said, well, he says, Luca, there's a lot of books written about how to get to the top, not too many about how to stay there. And it stuck with me, friend, in, in terms of Luca's made it to the top there. Now he's got a whole different set of uh, he's now everyone's best game. He's now everyone wants to get a piece of him. You know, everyone, you know, so there's that different mental preparation. And then there's just getting ready for the physical toil of never with an expectation now that's up on the highest level. Even if he has 
you know, say say they only scored 20 and then 12 rebounds, it'd be a disappointment, right? In some people's mind. That's just the way the set expectation is. But it's changed around to if I have to uh, have 11 assists and uh, 15 rebounds that uh, one game or two games, that's whatever it takes to bring home the prize. So it's fine-tuning and polishing that expectation and changing that into more of what are we really trying to accomplish here? What's the real piece? And that's been the, the work on the inside part, the inner game. And then on the physical part, you've heard we've done more. You're going to see a quicker Luca. How fast I think I'd say double in terms of his footwork and speed. Because I don't care if you have a 4-2-40 friend. Uh, it doesn't matter how fast. It matters how fast you move in the game. And I think you're going to see, uh, you're going to see, you'll be surprised. You know, given Luca that you, uh, you've been so deliberate about your success, you know, I've, I've watched you get better every year. You, you have, I, I don't know if it surprised you because of the work you put in, you know, I think anybody who knows anybody inside your program understands why you are the player you are, but do you do things game to game that, actually surprise you you go wow i can't believe i just <laughs> wow i can't believe i just did that <laughs> um you know this year was definitely you know obviously very interesting for me i, I never you know when going into college i always worked hard and i was like you know dreamed of being you know the type of player um and and that would be considered for national player year or whatever the case may be and being on a very good team in the big ten um did I actually think you know, that would happen? You know, not really. But <laughs> the season, you know, I I always just worked as hard as I could because I wanted to become the best player I could possibly be. And you know, throughout this year, you know, at different points, you know, I just I, my game, I was just so confident, and I was able to just play the way I wanted to play. And and I feel like I was uh, for the you know first time in college, I really just you know uh, evolved into that. And in all things, you know, mentally as well, and just being able to be consistent. You know, I was one of the things that. I struggled with my first year, year was, was consistency and I, and I, I kind of beat that down with, you know, my mental game and just working on the inner game and, and meditation or whatever the case may be. And that just helped me become, I just wanted to be able to play my best or, you know, as good as I could every single game. You know, I, I didn't really see the point of having off games, you know, and, I, and that's just kind of the mental you know, thing that I wanted going to the season. You know, obviously you're going to miss shots, but I wanted to attack every game with the same amount of energy um, and not have a game where, you know, um, you couldn't see that. So. I, I see guys in the NBA that I watched in college and I think, wow, man, they have made it. Like whether they weren't drafted in the top 10 or they were second round picks, but they're really good NBA players. I'm wondering, like from your point of view, the stuff that your dad has put in your head. And I'm talking about the, the inner game now. I've heard your dad talk about the inner game a lot. How much of it do you think translated to you having, like, the, the, I'm sure a player has some doubts about what, what he can accomplish, but what's it like when you do the things you're doing and you think, man, my dad told me I could do that? Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's definitely a crazy feeling. Uh, you know, yeah. something that, you know, we were, we were in the off season, you know, all summer and my dad was kind of just preaching to me like, yo, you're you're going to average 24 and 10, like 25 <laughs> and 10. And, and I was just like, no. Well, I'm at the workouts, friend. I'm seeing what he's doing. I, I know, just, I know. <laughs> I can see what's happening. I You're the mad scientist. You're the mad scientist. I'm going to get used to it. It's going to come. At first, I was just like, you know, you're, you're kind of crazy. I didn't think that. That was realistic. You know, I, I thought I could be very good. I thought I could, you know, do, be the leading scorer, whatever the case may be. I think I would be like that. Not really. But I, I put in the work to you know, be able to make, make sure I was that. Um, so, you know, it was definitely – 
you know, a great feeling. And, you know, um, it was very cool to, to be a part of that and the team we had. And it was just a lot of fun, you know, especially going into the season with a team that didn't have many expectations. Obviously, we knew we were going to lose Jordan at some point, and, and pretty much everybody knew that. And, and to have a team like that and, and still be able to push through them and become, you know, a very good seed in the NCAA tournament and, and whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, I think our team would have done really well in March. And obviously, we didn't have the opportunity to do that which just fuels us more uh, for this coming year. Well, I, I already know the answer to this question, so I'll, but I'll ask you anyway. You got five starters back. You got a deep team. Uh, you got a great leader in Connor McCaffrey. I, I think maybe one of the most underrated point guards in the country. Yeah, um, what's it like uh, knowing well, – I mean, what's the excitement level, especially – I know the excitement level when you told your teammates when you're coming back. I, I heard it was a mm-hmm. Zoom call, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And, and what, what, uh, what? Now, what's given that you'll be back on campus uh, this coming week, and we're praying, we're praying like anything, we're going to have college basketball. We're hoping the virus takes a hike. How excited are you about coming back for your senior year, knowing what you can accomplish, but also what Iowa basketball hasn't done in a while, which is get to a Final Four. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. You know, it's, it's, you know, people dream about playing in the NBA, but you know, I also dreamed as a kid of playing in the Final Four. And playing in this away tournament and, and stuff like that and you know for me you know it's always been a dream to be on a team that good and this coming year we have you know the potential to be one of the best teams that's ever played at Iowa and you know a, t- a team that could go deep in, in March and you know there's a lot of things we got to work on to make sure that we're able to do that but I think with the group we have coming back you know the guys you mentioned you know obviously Connor who you know, is probably the best post feeder I've ever played with um and and that's you know kind of easy um and you know, the rest of the guys we have coming back, Jordan Bohannon, you know, CJ Frederick, Joe Wieskamp, and, and Jack Nudge coming off the of surgery. You know, everybody's we're going to be a very deep team. And then I think, you know, the biggest point for us is to work on improving our defense. And I think that a lot of that comes with, with experience and guys who have been there a couple of years who are just going to get better and better and better. Um, but we're really looking forward to grinding, you know, in, in the rest of this offseason, getting ready, um, you know, to be able to be one of the teams that can not only score on people, I wish we can do you know, better than anybody in the country, but to be able to stop people because uh, that's what's going to separate us. I remember when you, when you were a sophomore and I came to practice in Iowa City and I said to Coach McCaffrey, how's the defense coming along? And he goes, yeah, we're working on it. I went to practice that day. It was 80% offense. <laughs> and I said, well, at least Coach knows what he's, what he's good at coaching. He loves offense. I know. <laughs> White magic. By the way, by the way, a little, a little nugget here because you can see the background in my Zoom call here. That is the palestra, the home of the great – <laughs> yeah, the great Fran McCaffrey played in that building. This I'm not in the plester right now, but that's that's the Zoom background. So, yeah. Coach Coach McCaffrey yeah, it was, was honored to be able to play there this year against Penn State. That's right, that's right. You yeah. did. You so you know the building and Coach. Yeah. That's, that was the home of White. Yeah, White Magic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Frank. Uh, the best athlete in the family is your wife. Um, she was uh, she was an outstanding player. Whole whole family, right? Uh, your, Luca's grandfather was a goalie, and there's there's team handball and basketball with the uh, with uh, with the Ali Begoviches, your, your cousins. Um, what what do you what do you like about the fact that part of Luca's game is kind of that international game, the big guy with multiple skills, and how, how much of that former Yugoslavian basketball that you've seen on your wife's side of the family do you think is part of Luca? Well, it's a great question. You know, it's a huge part. I mean, my brother-in-law played at Oregon State with Gary Payton, Tailman Alabegovich. And here's a big, tall, 
strong person using all the his abilities and fundamentals to overcome uh, some of the other areas where he wasn't maybe as gifted as some of these other players, although he was highly gifted as, a, as an athlete. But I think the biggest thing about coming from the sports families, because again, my father-in-law, uh, Rafik, uh, was a huge like a hero. I mean, a hero in Serie A and, and goalie played with Paley, just unbelievable. But when you're around that, friend, it's like 95% of everything growing up is the environment, right? So here's an environment where you've got a hero, a pro guy, got his mother played, you know, his, um, you know, my sister-in-law, because they're fraternal twin sisters. Tailman and I are married to a fraternal twin sister wow, 45 wow. minutes apart. So, you know, so that whole sports part of it going on. Then Tailman, you know, that his three boys, one of which played at St. John's with Mullen and, and Lavin, uh, recruited him over there. So that whole just being around champions, just, hey, this is what champions do. Hey, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So, Lucas, sit down. I'm going to give you some feedback. Oh, okay. So he wasn't, you know, defensive about it. He'd been hearing about it his whole life. And comments were being made and things being examples being said about how to perform and how to use all the things you can do versus focusing on things that you can't do and have no chance to improve upon because they're out of your control. So I think that was huge in the development of his entire 360 development, not just the outside, everything, expectation and belief. You, you, Luca, you made some big jumps uh, when you were in Hawaii uh, working out with your dad's college coach, Bill Trumbo, who's since passed away. Um, but last summer, a couple summers ago, you went to Bosnia with, with, with your uncle and your cousins. And uh, just first of all, tell me, about, tell me about the basketball culture there that you got a chance to experience with your uncle and your cousins and what, what that's like and how that is like kind of part of your DNA, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, first of all, you know, growing up every summer after school ended, I, I would go to Europe for two months and we go, you know, to Italy where my aunt and uncle live and we go to Croatia, we go to Bosnia. So each, we would spend time in each place. And so I was growing up, I would play pickup in Bosnia and play around, you know, those kind of players and obviously with my cousins as well. Um, and, and, you know, last summer was the first time I'd been in like, you know, four years, you know, obviously when the, you know, being in college and different stuff like that just made it harder to be able to go over there. And, you know, that was also just an amazing experience, you know, being able to work with, uh, you know, my uncle, you know, every day and my dad and just having them both there at the workouts. And, and, and when we're off the court, we're, you know, telling stories and I'm just hearing about, you know, all these teams, all these great players, you know, obviously played with Vladi Dubats and, and Tony Kukoc. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, some of the best players that ever come from Europe. And, and, and so, you know, I was just learning a whole lot. And then, you know, obviously, like my dad said, you know, it was the same way growing up being in that situation. And, you know, it's definitely influenced my game. It's a, you know, part of who I am and, you know, my culture. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, my my grandfather who, you know, passed away, uh, Rafik Muktish was, you know, another person who was just a, a great influence on me, not only on the court, but off the court, or just how to be, you know, just an amazing person. And, and, and um, you know, just learning from the examples of, you know, him and, you know, obviously my grandma, it was just, you know, very, very cool. And, um, you know, I'm just, I was blessed to just be in the, the family I am and to have the heritage I do. Yeah. Your, your dad and I know about Yugoslavian coaches and how tough they have always been. <laughs> and, and they, and they've kind of, uh, in many cases, they were coaching in places like Spain and France, Italy. They, you know, when you say Yugoslavia and we talk coaching, toughness uh did you get some of that from your uncle when you were with those workouts was there some of that uh i can't believe we're doing this stuff but it yeah pays for off. Sure. <laughs> I, I, i'd say you know him and 
and my grandpa. You know, like yeah. my grandpa was, you know, one of the, one of the toughest people you know there's ever been, and you know, and um, just you know how strong he was, how athletic he was, and you know all the different stuff he used to do. Like just, you know, we we go up to the cabin and you just we you go know, watch him work, and he's like you know fifty something years old, and he's still strong, still you know whatever the case may be. And, and it's the same thing, you know, with my uncle. And, you know, my uncle was same, similar to me in, in, in terms of my game. You know, he was able to stretch the floor a little bit with his jumper, but he was a dominant post. And you know, he was a little bit taller than my dad, so he was a little bit more in the post than my dad. So I was able to, you know, learn a lot, you know, some nuggets in, in the post that, that helped me a lot. And obviously my dad was, you know, more of an outside shooter and, and able to score on all areas of the floor. Um, so it was, you know, those, that duo, you know, I was able to learn a lot, and, you know, kind of added it all to my game. Yeah. You, um, obviously you're an American, you grew up in DC, but you are, I noticed you are on the Bosnia, Bosnian national team roster. With Ner- yeah, I with- know. They just put us there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But I, I did notice your name. This is Wikipedia, but yeah. you said, you said, Ner- obviously Nurkic, who I watched when he was a young guy and uh, playing in the Croatian league, uh, Zanon Musa with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, would you play for the national team if you gave, gave got the opportunity? Yeah, I'm in the process of uh, you know getting my dual citizenship. Uh, that's the one thing I got to take care of. But you know, the, I've been in contact with the coaches of the national team for you know several years, and my my cousin Amar Elbegovic played on the national team as well. Uh, so I would you know definitely, and I would I would play with them and with my cousin and obviously the other great players that you mentioned. You know, I was going to planning on doing that this summer, um, but obviously you know, it didn't work work out with everything like that. So you know, hopefully next summer, whatever the case may be, um, you know with Whenever the next opportunity is, but no, I in my you know future, I definitely would be you know wearing that uh, across my chest. You know, given uh, I, I jokingly tweeted the other day, you, you're the second best Luca in the world right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's not bad. It's probably some other Lucas that are pretty good in, in the Adriatic <laughs> League and and, sure. and and in the Euro League. But uh, I think right now you're number two. I have to tell you. <laughs> but no, I agree. Yeah, but when you watch it, you know, but the the amazing thing about the NBA and this, like this podcast is the world of basketball. So obviously you're one of our best college players and, and, uh, but you you have this, this family background. Do you watch, given that the NBA is 25% guys born outside the United States, are there specific guys you do watch? And now Luka, Luka Doncic is different because you don't have the same, you know, ball skills, let's just say. Yeah. But are there guys that you watch and you go, I can be him or? For sure. Yeah. For sure. You know, not only guys from this era, but in the past, but, you know, from this era, especially like you look at the Nikola Vucevic, you know, and Nikola Jokic, both of those guys, you know, even Yusuf Narkic, who's, you know, improved his three-point shot as well. You know, these, those guys are the guys that are kind of just really like, you know, my game and what I can improve. I and mean, obviously Jokic is one of the best passers in the game. And that's something that I'm trying to work on, but his ability to score in the post and shoot threes is just kind of how I see myself fitting into, you know, the NBA. And, and so, you know, I've always watched guys like that. And, you know, when I was younger, I was always hearing about Doncic, you know, even as a little kid, he was kind of a kid prodigy, you know, and, and, and so I had heard about him years before, you know, he came really onto the scene. So there's just, you know, a lot of talent over there. And, and especially now in the league, uh, people are, you know, beginning to see it all um, and have been seeing it all for a while. Yeah. Now don't, now don't lie to me. Um, like when I watch the NBA now, Brooke and Robin Lopez never shot threes. I know. You know, you know never. I, and, and, and uh, you know, Marcus Gasol never shot threes. So don't lie to me. Are, during the workouts this summer, were you, were you shooting a lot of NBA threes? Yeah, for sure. No, I've, <laughs> ex- I've extended my range a lot. You know, I've always, yeah. 
been confident in my three point shot. Now, right. you know, in the beginning, you know, I didn't know where I was going to end up, you know, this year. So it was a lot of working on that. I think that's going to help me with the college three of just, you know, practicing every day. You know, when you're practicing at the NBA three, it becomes an easier shot at the college three. So I, I feel very, very confident from both ranges. And, um, you know, I'm excited to show that on the court. Get, let me ask you one more question. I'll jump to your dad. Your coach, coach Fran, uh, he's got enormous confidence in you. Um, as you've gotten better each of the three years, how did you guys talk about areas, given, given, the, given the, the, the plan, I guess, that you and your dad have always had for success, how do you go about talking with Coach after the season and say, Coach, I want to work on this? Or he says to you, we need to extend your range because you've become more of an all-around scorer. You can score at every level. How, do, how does that process develop between you and Coach Fran first? I think, you know, when I was – Know, the first time Coach Frank saw me after my sophomore year in high school, he really recognized what my game was. And that was unique to all the other coaches recruiting me. You know, some coaches just saw me as a guy who was going to be back to the basket. And some coaches just wanted me to shoot threes. So it was, you know, um, he, he saw that in his offense, I could do it all. I could be able to score, you know, many different levels. And you know, being the freedom of the motion offense, I can, you know, pretty much be anywhere on the court um, on any given possession. So I think, you know, especially after um, in my sophomore year, when, when Tyler decided to leave, you know, we had a meeting and, you know, he kind of just told me that you know, the offense was now going to go through me as it had been going through Tyler. And, and, and so it was a, a little bit different role for me. You know, I was going to start running the rim. And, and that's kind of what I always wanted to do. And, you know, I was able to do that when, you know, Tyler was out of the game, but he was just so dominant and so good at doing it. You know, I was just kind of next in line and I was just learning from him along the way uh, to be able to, you know, take over that role. And once I did, and I just, uh, you know, was able to get the ball a lot more. And, and when I when I ran the rim, um, you know, it's hard to double team in transition. We're a team that's always in transition. So when I'm running down and posting before anybody can, you know, set up their defense, uh, you know, it makes it you know hard for you know, teams to double me or you know send another guy. So I was able to get a lot of one on one coverage that way. And I think Coach just always, you know, as the season went on, he saw teams regarding me. He just put me in a lot of different positions to be able to score. And you know, he kind of had to and adjust when. You know, he saw teams throwing wacky defenses at, at us. So, um, you know, I, I've definitely learned a lot from Coach Fran, and, and definitely my game has evolved, you know, to another level from, you know, being in that offense, being in that transition offense. I'd never played anything like that. You know, I mean, obviously in AAU, you know, everything's running and running and running. But, you know, in high school, we would slow it down and whatever the case may be in run sets. But, you know, I think this offense just allowed me a lot more freedom uh, to be able to do you know, a lot of different things. You know, in high school, you were playing in a in a league where there was like twenty five people at a game. And <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. yeah, three thirty games, man. Three thirty p.m. games. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and Frank, as as Luca gets better better each season, given how much work you both put into his game, how do you, from a dad's point of view, because you're you're more than a dad, you're a dad, you're a coach, you're a mentor, but how do you involve yourself with Coach Fran and Luca? Um, cause I know you're not stepping on toes cause you guys, it's like a collaboration for yeah. his improvement, but a after each season, what, what's the, what's the conversation? Like, okay, here's what we think we have to continue to work on. How does that process work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, cause you know, it takes a certain coach to even want to hear that. I mean, how many other coaches are going to accept this collaboration going on that part of the summer, you know, the, the development is, you know, part of driven by me. So it's like, uh, you know, but you know, Fran, right, Coach Fran? And so, you know, he's an offensive wizard. So, you know, he's – and every workout, every summer thing we would do, Fran, I would send him, 
make sure he was involved and he saw it. I sent him video, like just last night, I sent him two shots where Luca was casting it off from him. And I'll, when I'm done, I'll, I'll send it to your Twitter. I'll give you a little short, just so that Fran's seeing it and he's seeing the development. And then Fran's a basketball mind, I'm a basketball mind. So we talk about it and we talk about this, we talk about that. I said, hey, coach, here's what I'm really thinking about in these areas, what do you think? And he's, oh yeah, hey, I really like that. We added a move last night, um, a couple of them actually. And I, I videoed it and I sent it to Fran. I said, hey, Fran, how do you like that? And he made a nice comment that we'll work on tonight. Hey, if you could do that. So it's a, you hit it right on the, on the head. It is a collaboration because we want the same thing. And that is to win the prize. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I have two sons that were college players, but they're now coaches. Um, and, but we did a lot of workouts when they were young. And my goal was not to ever have them hate me after, after the workout. <laughs> <laughs> that was the goal. As long as they didn't hate me, I threw the ball at them a few times, but <laughs> how does, how does the, how does the, how is it? It's so enviable that you have a friendship, a mentorship, um, a love of the game, a, a shared love of the game. How does that work? And does it, how, how does it work? First of all, and do they, do you ever get on each other's nerves? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, you know, when I was younger, I think it was a little bit worse because I just hadn't put it all together yet. And he wanted me to and obviously was pushing me to. Um, so when I was younger, I think he was like a lot tougher on me um, and whatever the case may be. And I think once I got, you know, towards my latter years of high school, pretty much my senior year, um, you know, getting into college, I think we just it became more of like a mutual respect that like we both, you know, I want to work hard. You don't need to force me to get in the gym anymore. Like I'm I want to go in the gym, you know, all the time. So I think there was just a respect level there. And, you know, it's still, you know, obviously we argue and whatever the case may be about different things. And, um, you know, that's just how it is. When, you know, two people want the same thing. It's just, you know, always have different ways to get there. But, you know, I, I, I think we both just, you know, there's a, you know, respect, obviously. You know, he's my dad and obviously I'm going to listen to him. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I know a lot about the game now too. And I've learned a lot. So, you know, I, I think it just, like you said, it's also another kind of collaboration now, just continue to work on myself and, and improve. You know, Frank, I heard you say this on a, on a Iowa Hawkeye podcast recently that uh, he used to listen to you and now you have to do more listening. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, you know, because that's a great point because he's, he's so much, um, he's, uh, you know, after 15,000 hours, you know, uh, and it's m way more for him. He's, you become like in, in music, you're a jazz, you can improvise. So he's really his games. He's done things in games that I, I you know, you asked about someone who's shocked about a shot he made over three guys or falling down, hitting the tip of the board. I, I'm just totally amazed. But it can only come from all of that work and time so that in the moment you do this. So I talked to him about that stuff and I listened because he sees things and he's out there. So I'm just trying to add, I was an offensive guy, friend, so I'm trying to add and a defensive guy too, but trying to add some new things that he's going to see. And then we talk about whether it's going to work or not. Some things just don't apply and I'm just wrong. Um, and that happens more now than it ever has. But <laughs> the one thing I'm right about, friend, is the good, is the nugget that's worth keeping. And then he assimilates it right in there and, and he gets it. And that is, that is the collaboration. And so the teacher now becomes the student and uh, the student now becomes the teacher. And I'm totally okay with that because it's just we're moving closer to the prize. And um, that's what it's about. Uh, you know, Luca, what little you know of me, you 
probably know I'm a basketball junkie. You know, <laughs> tweet, I mean, I can't, I can't stay off Twitter. You know, I got to be tweet. I help coaches. I, but I, I, and I don't have my, I don't have another life. I, but I, I do, I do like to read. I'm a history guy. You're so basketball oriented. What, what are, what else do you, what do you do to get away from it? Like when you're, what's your, what, what, what hobbies do you have that don't relate to basketball? You know, there's a lot of mercy. You know, I'm an econ student, so you know, being a student takes up a lot of time you know, away from basketball. Um, so, you know, obviously that's first. Um, but I think, you know, I don't really get tired of it ever. You know, there are some hobbies I do and whatever the case may be, but you know, I don't think there's ever a point where I'm, I need to get away from basketball. I think, you know, in the off season and I'm kind of just waiting, um, you know, obviously I take a couple of weeks off after the season as well. I'm just kind of waiting to begin working again. I just, uh, just really, you know, enjoy the game and enjoy working, you know, more so than anything. It's just the hard work is something that I've always loved because um, I see what it, it, it can do. But, you know, the other things, you know, I played, I played music, you know, since I was a, in middle school, elementary school. I, I was, you know, part of the band or whatever the case may be. And now just you know, listening to music, all of that. Now, obviously, I'm a college kid. I, you know, play video games and, and stuff like yeah. that. So that's another thing. Yeah, is Fortnite a hobby, Chris? Yeah, it, it could be an NCAA like, sport soon. We, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly, right? It's like they're making money. Like, yeah. You know. oh, that's so, yeah, so I, I just do a few different things, but, you know, it's mostly basketball for me, and, you know, and just spending time with family and, and my roommates, and, and I think, you know, that is kind of getting away from me, is just being able to talk to them about anything, and, and just the people close to me that I'm very lucky to have. He's getting a golf game, Fran. I don't know if oh, you've been golf. I, I haven't yet, but he's starting to get... I've, I've been encouraging both of my sons. And and Nico, they're, you know, they're getting yeah. out there on the other... Yeah. Well, I think I, I've encouraged both of my sons who are in coaching to p pick up golf because it's a great uh, re relaxation. And yeah. I, Luke, I always tell people about golf. Ninety eight percent of people who play golf suck. Yeah. So it's OK. It's OK yeah. to like suck. <laughs> you know, better than a lot of people expected. You know, I'd never yeah. before and, and I was a good shooter. I was, I was, I was decent, you know, I'm not no. pretty bad, but I'm still, you know, not well, that's the point. You can get better quickly, especially yeah. a guy with eye, eye hand coordination, but we can't share the same clubs. They won't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my only problem is I, I go, I go golfing and all the other kids are like, you know, shorter than me and no, it's good to go with the team, but even so, you know, some of them are six, three, six, four. So it's, yeah, you need the big clubs. Yeah. yeah. So. That'll be, you'll have some time here in the, in the next few summers, yeah, but, but you'll still, You'll still be working on your game. Hey, uh, let's go back and uh, go back to the spring. Go back to March. Um, where were you guys when the Big Ten, Big Ten tournament was canceled? What was that like? Um, what do you remember about it? And uh, just give us a quick synopsis of that week. That week. Yeah, we were in Indianapolis, um, you know, obviously getting ready to play. Um, we just finished pregame meal, and I actually had just done, like, you know, my pregame meditation with my dad and, and, and his business partner. Uh, Guru Ganesha and and so we had uh, you know kind of gotten ready and I was just kind of locked in and you know, I walked out of that room and you know I would just check my phone and it was you know kind of over so that's kind of how it happened you know we had been you know last the night before is kind of when I think Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert someone got it and I think you know we were you know kind of joking around it's like are they, are they going to cancel the tournament because the teams have played the night before and we went and watched them play and um and so, you know, we didn't really expect it to happen, but, you know, there were more and more talks, and then obviously everything happened so quickly after that. Um, you know, it was obviously a shock. You know, we were really excited to get started to play against, you know, a, a good Minnesota team. Uh, but we really liked our route in, in the Big Ten tournament. I feel like, you know, playing Minnesota, a very good team, but a team we beat twice. 
And then obviously, you know, playing Illinois again, um, who we just felt confident that they couldn't beat us two times in, in the span of a week. Um, and, and so, and then Wisconsin on our side, I, I felt like those were all teams that, you know, we, we could have beat and had a good chance to, you know, make a run at it. So, you know, obviously it was really disappointing, you know, and, and for me, you know, I went, I got home from Indianapolis and kind of went home you know, the next day. And, uh, you know, it was just, I, I had no closure of the season. So I just kind of just started getting back to work and then started working out again. I just, I, I always, it's easier to like take a little break after a season ends you end with a loss. Okay, I'm gonna take a couple of weeks or a week or whatever the case may be. But you know, it's hard for me to stay away. And I, when I didn't have that closure, I just was like, you know, I gotta keep working out, keep working out, keep working out. And then I kind of realized that, you know, my body needs a rest. You know, I was playing 40 minutes a game for you know 30 games yeah. this year, so you know, I was able to take some rest and, and and do that and then get back into it again. But it was, you know, obviously a very tough time for me. You know you only get four chances at the NCAA tournament. Obviously my freshman year, we didn't make it. Um, so you know, I wanted to make it the last three years. And so being able to not have that, uh, you know, was unfortunate. How do you block out, um, I, again, your your climb has been progressive. I mean, you came in somewhat under the radar, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you were a top 100 player. Um, and then you Number had, one. What's that? Number 100. Yeah, it was, it was that. Literally, literally the one hundred. Right at the end, you just got to fit in there. You know, your your first couple of years, are you coach Matt, Coach McCaffrey had like seven big guys on the roster. Yeah, I know. You know, Jack and Jared, and and obviously Tyler. But here, here's a question: like, you're already to a point where you've had these great things happen to you, great success, first team All American. Now, now to most people, you are the preseason player of the year. How does a guy that has had to have an incredible work ethic um, from day one, how do you stay focused knowing that when you're going to open up all these magazines, you're likely to be on the cover of every college basketball magazine this year. How do you go from staying humble and hungry through this process now where everybody in the country knows your name? Yeah, for sure. There's a you know a couple of different things. First off, you know, for me, I'm always really critical of myself. So when I look at last year, you know, I see a lot of great things, obviously. But, you know, for me, I, I see my free throw percentage. And that's something that, you know, I don't like at all. And I, and I see just overall some games where, you know, I could have been more efficient. I could have shot better from the field. I could have rebounded better, you know, whatever the case may be. So I'm always, you know, looking back, I, I, I watch the games. I'm like, damn, I could have scored there, or whatever the case may be. So, you know, that um as well as just with you know that the mental game that I've worked on I think this year was the biggest thing I think you know after my sophomore year I had a stretch of games where you know I had like four 20 point games in a row and everybody was talking about me and I was playing very well and then I I followed that up by you know one of the worst you know, five game stretches of my career and just you know I, I had the you know I had 20 points in five games you know and I'd had 20 points four games in a row you know, I think that was just you know, the mental, you know, just pressure was, you know, taking, uh, you know, kind of control of me. And I think, you know, after that season, I, I kind of went to my dad. I was like, you know, I need to fix that part of my game. You know, obviously this is different than high school. And, um, you know, I had to be more confident. I need to be able to be consistent. And, you know, that was some one of the things that we worked on. And we were working on different ways to do it. And we finally settled on med- meditation. And the first day, you know, I asked my dad if I could do like a guided one because obviously I'm by myself you know I, I can't really do that well and the first day we did that was when we played at Michigan and um and so obviously you know that that game went well for me and I wanted to do it every game after that yeah was that Why the 40 was that the 44 <laughs> point game 
Yeah. Was that the, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Most uh, points ever scored by a Michigan opponent, I think, in yeah. that arena. Yeah. 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 Eddie had a sprained ankle. He was just coming over <laughs> off a sprained ankle was, at Syracuse. So yeah, he could I barely was, walk. Yeah, know? I didn't know if I was going to play or not going into the game. Uh, but then after that, I just, you know, when everyone started talking about me, everything, you know, was kind of happening. I just, you know, with the meditation, just my mental uh, game, I just stayed locked in on what I wanted to achieve and what I wanted our team to achieve. And we wanted to win. And, and I, I just want to win. So at the end of the day, all the other stuff is, you know, it's nice, it's cool. But, you know, the thing that I'm going to remember forever is not being on a magazine cover. It's going to be, you know, what did I win in college? So uh, that's what I'm locked into. And, and, and I think, you know, with continued working on that side of the game, you know, there's obviously, you know, a lot of pressure, but that doesn't bother me. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked hard enough to know that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to, you want the pressure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Frank, when when you're for a guy that's always looking for the imperfections and how to smooth them out, when do you when do you step back and say to yourself or to your wife, "Wow, I can't believe this guy is this good." Yeah. Uh, well, no, normally when he's not around. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, I, I I certainly we make sure he knows that you know just straight up because it's you know some you know again it's it's it's. Um, of course, I've seen it in practice, right? I saw it every day we'd go on that and the three a day. I see it. So I just, if he, you know, you're going to play the way you practice, it just get used to it. it's going to happen. But no, we most proud of him on not, not you know, stuff he does off the court, you know, reading to kids and, and taking time to, you know, just do something, you know, it's like what Wooden said, you know, if you, you know, his idea for a masterpiece day is one, at least once a day, you know, go do something for someone that anything, you know, any, expectation of return so it's his off-court work that we're we you know highlight as well because it's it's what makes the other stuff um flow you know? yeah so well that's cool well listen uh we've had uh, jeff van gundy on we've had andrew gaze we've had guys from canada even though you're from dc you're kind of our first bosnian uh, <laughs> you know, right it's good to be first, right? The country of Bosnia Herzegovina is uh, is is represented by Luka Garza, and not a lot of people know that. So that's why I wanted to have you on because we all know what a great college player you are. But I wanted people to understand that uh, between your dad and his family, and your mom and her family, I still hear that she was the better athlete. But uh, you know, it's, <laughs> she it's, is by far. Yeah, it's very it's very cool. Hey, you you know I'm rooting for you. I wish you all the best this season, uh, you and your teammates. And uh, I hope I see you somewhere on the ESPN trail. Uh, stay healthy. I know you're going to keep working, Luca. And uh, just really happy that uh, we got a chance to visit today. Will do. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Fran. Great stuff from Luca and Frank Garza. That has to be one of my favorite podcasts we've done on the world of basketball. And that young man. Uh, is going to have a great senior year at the University of Iowa, a preseason national player of the year. This team is uh, primed uh, to win a national championship if everything falls in place. And without a doubt, Luka Garza is going to play professional basketball, likely in the NBA, but if not, because of that Bosnian background, he'll have a lot of opportunities to play overseas, no doubt about it. Uh, if you like what we're doing, subscribe to the podcast and uh, give us a high rating. Let us know how we're doing because uh, this is fun for us as we continue to educate you uh, in this basketball globe that continues to shrink. And speaking of that, join me next week as I bring you to another place in my world of basketball. <laughs>